Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. I'm not exactly sure how this all happened with me speaking on Mother's Day, um, being the introvert that I am by nature, but um, I'm grateful to my poor family for putting up with me these weeks. Thank you, family. This wouldn't have been my... um, Mother of the Year Award Week. Let's just say that. Um, a couple of days ago, I was sort of finishing up my message. I made the kids lunches, and uh, Mark was off. Ethan was off, my oldest, and scrambling around. Kids, get together. We got to go. And they're like, all right, let's go. We get in the car, and um, we're driving to school. And my youngest, who's nine, said, um, Mom, I forgot to eat breakfast. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Abby, share your toast with him. So he got a piece of toast, and he was okay. I said, eat your snack early. But anyway, I do feel like the Lord um, has given me something to share with you this morning, and I am just trusting him uh, to share that today. I just wanted to read a couple of funnies with you at first. Recent studies have found that women who carry a little extra weight live longer than the men who mention it. So that's for real. That's legit. That is legit. Yeah. Here's another one. Men, as you know, we, you know, struggle uh, sometimes with hormones, you know, at certain times. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to read this to you. It's a, um, it's just a guide, you know, in case you want to use it, in case you're in one of those weeks. And there's three categories, dangerous, safer, and safest. Dangerous. What's for dinner? Safer, can I help you with dinner? Safest, where should we go for dinner? That's what we want to hear, right? That's what we want to hear. Dangerous, what are you so worked up about? Safer, you could be overreacting. Safest, here's my paycheck. Yeah. Dangerous, Um, should you be eating that? Safer, you know there's a lot of apples left. Safest. Can I get you a piece of chocolate to go with that? Yeah, that's what we want. We want the chocolate. Here's the last one. Dangerous. What did you do all day? Mmm, stay away. Safer. I hope you didn't overdo it today, honey. Safest. I've always loved you in that robe. (laughs) Right, like we lay around in our robes, ladies, right? Anyway, mothers. Can I just have the mom stand? If you're a mom. Moms. Give it up for moms. Oh, thank you, ladies. Thank you for standing. Thank you for who you are and what you do. Today I'm going to be talking about the importance of stewarding the call in our, mom, in our kids' lives as moms. And, of course, this message means a lot to me because I am a mom. But I am aware, um, very mindful, and I came in this morning even emotional, that Mother's Day can be a hard day. It's uh, It's not always an easy day. There's so much joy wrapped up in motherhood. There's also a lot of pain wrapped up in motherhood. So I am extremely mindful of that today. I know there's some women here who want to be moms. They're not moms yet. I've been there. There's moms here that have lost children. There's some here of you who've even lost your mom. There's some that have given kids up. There's some that have been given up yourself. But I do want you to know that nothing is lost. Nothing is wasted on the Lord. 
He's seen it all. He knows it all. He sees your heart and he knows your heart. And so I just want to pray this morning. Father, we thank you for what you've already done in this place. I was just overwhelmed this morning. Thank you for the word. Thank you for Phil. Thank you for the faithful parents that came down front. God, today I pray that you'd open our hearts, Lord. First of all, to your love, because your love never fails. And your love does heal. God, we pray for your faithfulness. We pray that your presence would continue to be here as it is. And God, we just are excited for what you're going to do in our lives. We're excited for what you're going to do in our kids' lives, in our grandkids' lives. God, you do have a plan, and it's a good plan. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just wanted to share with you a little bit of my story, because um, many of you don't really know who I am. As, even though we've been at Grace you know, a long time, 15 years, you don't really know my story. Mark and I have been married 23 years. This month, I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's all God's glory, let's just say that. It's all glory to God on that one. And, you know, no, I'm just saying, you know, those of us who are married understand. It's, it's um, God is good. No, it's been great. It's awesome. Mark is from a family of four, and he is the youngest boy. There's three boys. But he was the first one to get married in his family. And, but we were not the first to have kids. And uh, that was hard. That was a struggle. And I remember one Christmas, we'd probably been married two or three years. And, of course, we'd been trying to have kids. And um, we were celebrating Christmas with his family, and his brother had gotten married. And we, there was one gift left under the tree. And so we all went, you know, what is it? And it was for mom and dad, and it was from his brother and my sister-in-law. And they opened it, and it was like a little pair of booties, and it said, Merry Christmas, Grammy and Grampy, or whatever. Well, pff, I started crying because I wanted that to be me. You know, I just assumed I had a plan for my life. I thought, oh, married, you know, uh, have kids by 25. But it, it didn't work out. It wasn't what, what God's plan was for my life, and that was hard. And I remember on my 30th, 30th birthday, bawling my eyeballs out. You know, I'm happy. You know, I've got a great guy, but I wanted children. And I remember bawling my eyeballs out, saying, God, like, I'm 30. You know, at that time, I thought I was ancient. You know, now 30 is looking pretty sweet. But, you know, when you're 30, it's like, man, I just, I don't know. I thought things would be different. I thought things would be different. And cried out to the Lord, and um, he heard my prayer, he saw my tears, and my 30s were wonderful. I had three children. I had my first at 31, Ethan, who's my oldest, and then I had Abby when I was 33, and then I had little Elliot when I was 38, and we thought, you know, life is full, life is good, um, family's great, but we thought, you know, we really did always want four, and so... We, um, we said, let's do it. We had an age gap. Elliot needs a buddy. And so we, um, we did it. We said, let's do it. Let's have four. So no problem with our fourth. And, of course, we told everybody because I had three amazing, you know, wonderful kids. Um, but on my 40th birthday, a decade after, you know, I had cried out to the Lord, I started bleeding, and I, I actually lost our fourth child that, in that week. 
And so, again, it wasn't what I planned for my life. It's not what I thought would happen. But parenting and motherhood is difficult. It's hard. There's a lot of hard things that we do as moms. But what I have recognized, it, God is so faithful. You know, I can look back through all those times, and he has just been so faithful in our life. And I have three amazing kids God has blessed us with. And um, my prayer is that my influence not just goes to my children, but it goes beyond them. That my influence as a person, as a mom, would go to my grandkids, would go on to spiritual children well beyond that. And as a mom, I realize we have such a significant role in our kids' lives that does go way beyond launching. You know, there's so much more than just launching our kids and having them have all the experience, you know, have them play sports and this and that and date and do all this stuff. God's entrusted us with the responsibility to help them discover God's purpose in their life. Because God does have a purpose. He has a purpose for each one of us in this room, and he has a purpose for our kids, and he's entrusted us to steward that, to steward that call on his lives. And your kids might be small, might be little. There's practical things that I'm going to share with you. Your kids might be teenagers. We're there, too. We have a couple teenagers in our house. Or they may be adults. You may have no kids at all. But that doesn't exclude anyone, because every single person here can be a spiritual parent to somebody. You don't have to be a, a biological mom or a dad to someone. You can be a spiritual parent. So even though I'm speaking as a mom, I don't want dads checking out or, or men checking out or you feel like, oh, my kids are so far gone. No. You have influence in your life and you can play a part to play in any, of those, in any, in any child's life, in any person's life. You can have a part to play in that. The story that I wanted to read to you today, um, if you have your Bibles, we are going to talk about a woman who could not have children, and she was experiencing the pain of it, but she knew exactly where to turn. She knew where to turn through that pain, and we're going to discover what God did when he answered her prayer. So if you can turn with me to 1 Samuel, we are going to talk about Hannah today. 1 Samuel 1. It starts talking about Elkanah, kind of where he's from. Verse 1 tells all the the son of the son of the son. And then it says in verse 2, he had two wives. Well, that was his first problem. (laughs) That men, I don't recommend it. We are enough. One is enough. Hashtag one is enough. Remember that. Only need one. One was called Hannah. The other was called Penina. Penina had children. Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice the Lord at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas were the two sons of Eli, were the priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on for year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and could not eat. Her husband would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? 
Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? I mean, he was being real, but she wanted kids, and he was like, hey, I'm all that. What are you crying about, you know? But she, had a, she, she wanted children, and she felt like she uh, had a promise. And so even through all her provoking and through all her uh, things, she had to put up with a lot, and it said it went on for years and years. We have no idea the exact time. When they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord. In her anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all of his days. No razor will be used on his head. She kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my grief and anguish. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked in him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went on her way, ate something, and her heart was no longer downcast. So let's look at Hannah's life a little bit. There's a couple things I just wanted to pull out uh, in that scripture. What Hannah did once she to steward the call, really, that God had in her life. Hannah wanted children, and she prayed. The first thing Hannah did, the first thing that we all need to do, is pray. It says in verse 10, Hannah prayed. She didn't go to her husband. She didn't go to her her besties. She didn't go on Facebook. I mean, she didn't do any of that. It said Hannah prayed. It's the first thing she did. She knew exactly who to go to. She knew exactly who could meet that need. Because none of those other things can meet that need that Hannah had. And so she took it to the Lord. In her deep anguish, it says she prayed. Something I've realized that thinking about, talking about, and worrying about things, it's not the same as praying. Praying is what God has asked us to do. Then in verse, verse 15, it says the same thing. She, poured, she was discouraged. She poured out her heart to the Lord. I've been, I haven't been drinking Like, I've been praying. I'm like pouring my heart out to the Lord because God planted that that promise. She felt like she had a promise in her heart, and now she was confident that it would come to pass. She believed. As soon as he gave her that word and said, she wasn't downcast anymore. She left. She ate. She walked away from there. She believed. And that's something I'm, I'm a real, um, I want to really encourage is one of the first things for us to do and steward our kids' call is pray. It's the most important thing we can do in their lives. We need to pray. Pray for the children you don't even have yet. If you have children and you want children, pray. That's exactly what Hannah did. She took it before the Lord in her deepest need. She took it before him. And she prayed. We need to pray for our kids that we have. Obviously, we should be praying for them. We need to pray for grandkids, our future grandkids. We need to be um, praying for our nieces and our nephews, our neighbors' kids. I mean, it's endless how far down the line we could go about praying. 
Every single spiritual battle is won in prayer. Every single one is won in prayer, spiritual battle. Um, this, there's a book that actually we're going to be giving out to women here today. It's called Praying Circles Around Your Children. But one of the things it says in there is prayer turns ordinary parents, which I totally am, I totally feel like pretty much every day of my life, turns an ordinary parent into prophets who shape the destinies of their children, their grandchildren, and every other child in the generation to come. So that's what we can do. I mean, God uses us to be these amazing uh, prophets in our family that we feel so not worthy of or not. um, But God does it. And he does it when we start by praying for them. Prayer helps us to believe who God is. It helps build our faith. It helps encourage us. He's so much bigger than our current reality. I mean... Most of us, most days, can like look at our current reality and be like, ooh, man. But God sees so much more beyond that. And that's what prayer does. I mean, I had days uh, for those years of praying, I never thought it would happen. But I continued to press into the Lord. I knew that he had that promise for me. And I pressed into him. It wasn't my current situation. It wasn't my current reality. You know, uh, parents with kids who aren't serving the Lord now. That's not your current reality. But that doesn't mean it's not going to change. And that doesn't mean prayer isn't going to change that. I talked to a good friend of mine this week, and she said, weeping, which goes along with Phil's testimony and story today. She said, my mom prayed for me for over 40 years. I mean, if that doesn't make you weary even thinking about praying for the same thing for 40 years, prayed for her for 40 years. Now, this woman now, and she said, my mom got to see a little turn in my life. She didn't get to see the full uh, you know, benefit of her prayer, but she got to see a turn uh, in, in her life. And now she's just dynamite, serves the Lord, and just ministering to so many. She's a spiritual mom to so many people. So we need to pray for that revelation for our kids' futures. Not our wills, but their will for them. The second thing is children are a gift from the Lord. Even... <laughs> Even if they don't feel like a gift, moms, we know that. They don't feel like gifts sometimes. They really don't. It's, it can be tiring depending what season you're in. But they are true gifts from the Lord. Psalm 127 tells us that. Hannah knew that Samuel was a gift and that he'd promised uh, something to her. It said she waited until the boy was weaned to bring him back to the temple. And we don't know how long that was, but... It wasn't like our nowadays weaning. I mean, we usually wean around one or so. I mean, maybe longer, depending on culture. But realistically, he would have been home with Hannah a while longer because she wouldn't bring a child that little who would be no benefit to the temple. And so during that time, I am sure that she was just training. She recognized God has given me this gift, and now it's my responsibility to train him up and grow him so that when I hand him back over, he will be a of use and benefit to the Lord. And, you know, as parents, we need to be praying for their hearts, not just their actions. You know, because sometimes that's hard as parents. We, we parent based on the action, basically the current reality. But no, we need to pray for their hearts, for character development, not just compliance, uh, even though we, we as parents like compliant kids. I mean, who doesn't? But our end goal isn't the compliance. It's really shepherding and parenting their hearts. We went to a conference when we were young parents. I think I might have been pregnant with our first. um, Called Shepherding a Child's Heart. 
And we had so much to learn. We still do. We're still growing because every stage of your kid's life changes. Just when you think you've sort of got it, cut, you know, a little figured out, it changes and they grow, move on to a different stage. But what I do realize is we're their greatest teachers. They are with us the longest. They're with us pretty much for the most time, you know, under our roof for 18 years. And we are their greatest teachers. And we have a quote. I, I sometimes I do this, like if our kids are struggling with something, we'll write a scripture out and just try to help them walk through it, the practical parts of it. Or sometimes I'll put things on our mirror at home because we all share one bathroom that's the size of a postage stamp. And so, yeah. It's pretty small. You can pretty much do everything while you're in one spot. You could shave your legs, brush your teeth, sit. Anyway, I put things on the bathroom wall, uh, the mirror wall, because we're all in there. We're in there every single day. And I put things on there just for the kids to see. One thing I put on is remember who you are. You know, we want our kids to remember who they are in Jesus Christ. Not what they feel like, not what their, the kids at school define them, at, you know, what they are that day. We want our kids to know who they are. We want them to uphold purity in their thoughts. We want them to honor God with their words that they say and don't say. And, you know, trying to keep a good attitude whether they win or lose. You know, believe it or not, you don't always win. I know it's hard in today's society that everybody wins and gets trophies and badges. But that's not real life. And so we have to teach our kid what it feels like to lose. Because life just goes that way sometimes, you know. And as they become older, they could lose children of their own. You know, there's so many things that are going to happen in their life and we want to prepare them. Uh, we want to be intentional about that. And Hannah, I believe, was intentional about stewarding the call in Samuel's life. She recognized, this boy is with me for a certain period of time. And I want to do what I can to steward his heart and to steward his call towards God. Um, you know, another thing that we've just done for our kids, practical, is um, they didn't get a phone until they were in high school. I know that's crazy. We were the weird ones, but whatever. It worked out for us. But our oldest didn't get a phone until he was in high school. And just our, one of our family uh, rules is the technology stays in the kitchen when they go to bed. It's just, it's not rocket science, but it's just something that we planned as a family because we're trying to be intentional about their hearts. And so, we want, A, we want them to sleep because I, I hear all the, you know, the texting at like 2 in the morning. No, I actually want my children to get a good night's sleep so their brains can be, you know, in good functioning order in the morning. And the other thing really is that just not to be exposed to things we don't want them exposed to, you know, without us around to help help them walk through that you know it could be challenging and or conversations they might be having with people uh, you know in the middle of the night in their beds and so that's just something simple that Mark and I have decided uh, as a way to just just steward them and help them um, honestly th these things don't come easy uh, they really don't but we feel like God has given us three incredible gifts for now and praying that there's going to be more, uh, you know, grandkids and spiritual children down the road. And so we want to really be intentional about heart. Because I do recognize that right now we are the greatest teachers. The other thing that Hannah did to, to steward that call is she contended for the promise. She never gave up. I mean, I just think of all those two wives. I mean, can you imagine? Like all those years you got this other wife. <laughs> 
you know, too bad. You're like, look at all my kids. You know, she's, who knows how many she had. But she contended. She didn't give up. She didn't get bitter. She didn't get, uh, it doesn't say that anywhere. It said, yeah, she had a heavy heart. She grieved. But she went to the Lord. And, you know, I think that's what I thought about today. All the, I thought about the prodigal son story. That dad never gave up. Never. I mean, even when we think, you know, he should have been a little miffed about what happened, even when he saw, when he locked eyes on his son, never gave up. He, it's like he knew. And just like all of you standing up front here, no, God is going to do something. He is going to bring those kids back. Because it's like we have to stand on his word. We have to hold on to the promises in God's word. And God is a God of second chances. He really is. He's a God of second chances. And Hannah contended for that promise that God gave her. She pressed in. She didn't give up. God wants that for every single one of us in this room. He does not want us to give up. He wants us to contend. Even depending on what our life circumstances right now. It takes hard work. It's many hours praying. Con, you know, contending for that. It's not just one and done. Like, a, you know, I, I said the prayer and God, you know, they're in your hands now. He really wants us to press in. He really wants us to contend for it. Preparing our kids and training our kids. That's, you know, we have a lot of influence. And right now, you know, Mark and I have the benefit because they're still little. They're still in our home. We have the most influence when they're under our roof. But prayer gives you a ton of influence even when your kids are gone. They don't have to be under your roof. Even if they're other countries, wherever they are, prayer allows you to have influence over your kids. Hannah stood on the promise of God. In 1 Samuel 2.21, it said, Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. You know, And she recognized there was a day coming when she was going to bring him back. But we don't have to send our kids off to private school or... Uh, you know, literally bring them to the temple. Um, the presence of the Lord can be right in our homes. You know, it can be right where we are. It can be right where we're parenting our kids. The presence of the Lord will be there. And Hannah got to see that. It says right there that uh, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. You know, we, we can teach our kids. We can teach them how to pray. We can teach them how to talk to Jesus when they're little. And even when they're older, we can model that to them can help them with choices they make while they're under our roof, music they listen to, people they hang out with. We can help them understand what it means to open this book, to crack this book open and help our kids realize this is life for them. They don't need to go to XYZ for the answers to their problems. It's actually right in here, and we can model that to them. It's, it's not easy, and you know we blow it all the time. But it's remembering that God is a God of grace and he brings us back in his word. We have his word. In 1 Samuel 2.26, this is one of my favorite verses uh, in the Bible. It says, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. And I've been praying this verse over my kids since pretty much they were born. Since they were born, I've been praying that God would allow them to grow, not only with favor with him, but in favor with people. That's just amazing. I mean, who doesn't want that for their families, their grandkids, their spiritual children? But it starts with prayer. They're a gift from the Lord, and we need to steward that, that call on their lives. And we need to contend for all that God has, for our kids, 
for our spiritual grandkids. And I realize we're all at different stages. You know, I realize that maybe you, you don't have children yet and you want children. Pray for it. Contend for it. Or maybe you want grandkids. <laughs> I talk to a lot of parents. They're like, yeah, I'm waiting for the grandkid. You know, pray for it. You know, God knows. God has a plan for every single person in this room. He has a plan and a purpose for every single person in this room. And we need to realize that our kids are the Lord's. They're gifts from him. I, I found, I read this, I've actually, I don't remember ever reading this verse. I'm, I hope I have at some point in my life. But it's in Lamentations. I actually don't spend a lot of time in Lamentations. But I, I read this verse. It says, rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer, pleading for your children. Plead for them. That's contending. That's, that to me doesn't sound like a one-time thing. That sounds like, God, they're your kids and you're pleading, you're contending for their salvation. God has a plan for all of our lives and we just need to press in. You know, even for kids that are here, that are here today, you know, your parents are praying for you, but you need to keep your hearts open too to the Lord. You need to keep your hearts open to what God wants to do in your life. I do realize that the enemy, we have an enemy that's not going to pretend like we don't, that he does come to kill, steal, and destroy. We know that. We read the word. But every spiritual battle is won in prayer. And God needs to be the Lord of our lives. When he's the Lord of our lives, he sets things in motion. He sets things in motion. And have him be the Lord of our homes. It's not easy. I, I mean, like I said, I blew it this week. I don't know how many times with my kids. It's like a day-to-day thing. His mercies are every, new every morning. Thank goodness that they're new and that His grace is new. We can go to the throne of grace any day, any time we want. We can do that. But what I am praying is that God gives us the courage to walk it out, to pray, to really say we're going to pray for our kids it's going to be the first thing we do not the second or third not after we hear there's all you know problems because that that's going to happen that's 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 real that's life that we're going to pray that we're going to steward the call in their lives we're going to realize they're his they're not ours they don't you know run the show in our homes no they're his we're going to steward them and train them and we're going to contend for the promises that he said over your life, that he said over your kids' lives. I want to read this to you. I've, I've been praying this as well, and I just want to declare it. I felt like God wanted me to share this verse as I, as I closed, and that it's in Psalm 144. And I want to read it. Um, it says, Psalm 144.12. If you don't have this written down, parents, I want you to write that down, grandparents. Psalm 144.12, it says, Then our sons in their youth will be like well-nurtured plants, and our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. These are our kids. These are our grandkids. Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision, Our sheep will increase by thousands, by ten thousands in our fields. Our oxen will draw heavy load. There will be no more breaching of walls. The enemy will have no more authority in our home. No more breaching of walls. None. 
That's what the word says. This is God's word. This is alive. This is active. It says there will be no more going into captivity. None. No more going into captivity. And no more cries of distress in our streets. No more. We're declaring it today. No more. Blessed is the people of whom this is true. Blessed is the people whose God is Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that it is alive. And God, I thank you that it goes from generation to generation. It doesn't just stop today. It doesn't just stop with our families and our homes. God, it continues. So Father, I pray for every single person in this room, regardless of where they are in their walk with you, regardless of their current reality of what their family looks like, God, I pray that their sons would be well-nurtured, that their daughters would be pillars. Father, that there would be no more cries of distress. God, no more going into captivity. Father, I pray that you would use us as only you can to be instrumental in the people that surround us. And that starts right in our homes. It starts right when our kids are little. All the way through every stage, God. Help us, Father to create tender hearts, God, always going back to heart and the things that matter to you. Not the things that matter to us. Not the things that we want for our kids. Not the things that our guidance counselors want for our kids. Not the things their friends want for them. But what you want for our kids, God. That's what we want, what you want. You have a plan and a purpose and a calling on every single life here. And God, I pray you'd help us specifically today as moms, dads, God, that we would help steward that call in our kids' lives. Father, even if they're out of our homes, even if they're married with their own kids, Father, we are still the most influential people in our kids' lives. Even if they don't recognize it right now, God, you recognize it. God, you are the head of our homes, Father. We love you. We're just so grateful for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. We love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you so much, Audra. Awesome. Awesome. Well, just in closing, I want to, as we were praying earlier this week, um, I feel like the Lord wanted to give an opportunity. I don't know if it's in this service or the next service, but I really felt like God was sharing with us that there's somebody here who is barren, who can't have kids. But yet the Lord wants to open your womb. There's a scripture, Psalm 113, verse 7 through 9, it says, He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts up the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her joyous mother of children. If that is you, would you just, if you want to have kids you haven't been able to, would you just slip up your hand? I don't, if there's somebody here, it might be the second service, I don't know. If, if you are here, just slip up your hand. If this is you for this service. Anyone, 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 anyone? Okay, so Father, I just pray right now that, uh, Lord, that even if they're watching online here this morning, 
If that is for the person online, wherever it is, Father, that that word is spoken for, Father, let it be. Let it be so this morning. Father, that that is a promise. You told you told us earlier on in this week that you wanted to do this. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that, and if that person's coming in a second service, Father, or maybe it's a couple people, Father, I just pray that there would be just a supernatural thing that takes place. Lord, we love you. I just pray that we would continue to steward the call in our kids' lives, that we would never give up contending for the promise. And Father, we would pray, we would pray for our kids. Father, I thank you for the moms that are in this room. I just say thank you for them. What a gift they are to us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. As we close out and sing this song, um, I do know it's at a time that, can you please scoot and grab your kids? But you feel free to stay in worship if you don't have kids. Um, and we want to minister to you. If you have prayer needs, if you need healing, if you just even need an encouragement, would you just come up here and we would love to minister to you and allow the Lord to minister to you this morning. Love you guys. Happy Mother's Day. We do have books for, uh, for all the girls out there. You don't have to be a mom. For any woman that's out there, we have a gift for you. Praying circles around your children. Love you guys. Having a great day. Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 